Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and I'm coming to you from sweet recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a video cast, a podcast, you need a book on tape recorded, hell, even if you need a studio built, sweet recording is a place for you. Joe and Matthew are great. They know their stuff, they're honest, and they won't rip you off. So check out Sweet Recording, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com, or email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. Anyway, we have a we have a guest on my show today. We become friends. Uh, the guy, you know, I finally met him. I've been networking with him on Coffee with Cooper for like two and a half years, and I finally met him in person. And and it was crazy because he's like four inches taller than me. So in the picture, I look I look like I look like some little guy. Anyway, but he's uh, he's the most interesting lawyer around. He is the what did I call him the the uh, the Ovaltine of realtors, and my guest is Will Weber. How you doing, Will? Good morning. See, that's funny. Now, Will, before we start, I want everyone to know, every networking meeting we go to, you have your pitch. Say your eight-word pitch, and people, he says, I'm Will Weber, eight words. Say your pitch so people can hear it, and then we'll get to you. Well, I usually start by showing that I have eight fingers, and then I say, my name is Will Weber. I sell houses. And he's been selling houses for a very long time. And uh, we want to find out how he got to where he is and what his life is like, because he is, well, first of all, I want to start talking. The shot you have behind you is from a drone and tell me how you got involved with drones and how you got like a drone license. Cause you were quite before your time. Wow. Well, let's start with this neighborhood. I had a friend who wanted to buy a house in this neighborhood. There were none for sale. So I took a picture of the neighborhood, then I isolated each house so that I could write to them individually because in my 33 years history, I've learned that nobody throws away a picture of their house. Even if they don't use me today, they might in a year or two. And I'm fine with that. Um, yes, ahead of my time because everything I do is for my work. Um, the first person that I know that had a laptop 20 years ago when he went to an open house. If someone showed up at a house that they didn't like, I had a house that they did like because I had access to all inventory. So from laptop to smart systems to a drone was a no-brainer. I, I do this to serve a client. Now, how do you figure out how to fly it? Because I, I got a, I got one of those little, like it was a little Groot from uh, Guardian of the Galaxy. Joanne got me one, a little drone for Christmas. And I swear it was this little thing. And I tried to do it and like almost hit me in the head and I never used it again. And that was just a little thing. How do you find, because you got to put that stuff up there. How do you, how do you find out how to fly a drone? Is there a class? I mean, did you go on YouTube and say, how do I fly a drone or how did this happen? Wow. Okay. I fell in love with the concept from YouTube and everything starts in California. You know that. Um, the concept made it sound irresistible and indeed it is. Now, the difference between a little drone and a real drone is a real drone includes the stability things, the camera things, um, a GPS signal with even radar that means you can't run into things it's it's they get smarter if you spend more money so i built one <laughs> my first drone was four feet across with eight motors <laughs> um but 
they got smarter and they got more affordable. And I did go to a class and the biggest pain in the butt was getting licensed because, you know, every 15 year old can get one of these for Christmas. One of these for Christmas doesn't mean you know what to do with it, but you have to be licensed. If you're gonna use the drone for commercial purposes, the FAA requires people to be licensed. And Steve, just because you were talking, I thought I'd bring a representation of, this is a replica. This is not the drone I fly, but the drone I fly is about this size without a helmet. And I use this as a conversation starter because, because if I don't wanna walk home, I can just strap this on and I can fly home. And you have a light so you can fly at night. So that's good. So you can sit there, oh. you got the light, you got, you can go into a mine. You could do, you could do some great drone shots in a mine. See that? Cause I'm afraid of the dark, Steve, come on. <laughs> so, okay. You said earlier, you said, you know, you had the laptop in the beginning and you had the drone. Where does this instinct come from where you can figure out you're ahead of the game? Like you said, you were the only realtor using the laptop. I and mean, where does this come from? Is it, is it in something inert or is it something you learned for your life? How to always be one step ahead of other people? Geez, you flatter me. Um, to be fair, a little of both. If I see something that someone else does that serves a client, I'm there. I even say, I learned this from somebody else. Cause, cause what if the idea fails? I, you know, have someone to blame, but the other thing is, what would I like? What would impress me or what would excite me? Because, because there's way too many realtors out there. You, if you don't have any friends that are realtors, you don't have any friends. <laughs> but to, thank you. But really, really, I try to be different from and better than you know people that I see. And then I think, what would I like to see if I were the client, when I'm teaching buyers, for instance, I coach my buyers to think like a seller, because if the buyer can think like a seller, then they're on the same wavelength. So as a realtor, I'm thinking, geez, wait, what does a client need to know? How do I get good information in front of a client? And this way, theoretically, earn loyalty and then maintain business. Okay, so I want to I want to go to a way back. What was you're a realtor now? What was little Will Weber like? Were you like and were you were you a precocious kid? Because you have a good sense of humor. You're on the cutting edge. You have a little bit of quirkiness. I, I'm not gonna lie. Will's quirky. If you meet him, he's very quirky. But what was little Will Weber like? Were you like a precocious kid? Were you a pain in the ass, or what were you like as a kid? Great question. Um, as far as I know, I'm the oldest of six, and Catholic school was a little bit of a, you know, not a safe place to visit for somebody that has this range or this many voices in his head. Um, precocious, yes, although I was a rule follower, but that didn't get in the way of me being an innovator. Now, you did say quirky. Can I bring this to the screen for a second? That is the car that I drive. It is a quirky car like I am, and that is the mask that I wear when I need to wear a mask. Um, when we were back in that, you know, gotta have a mask kind of mentality. Um, and I have all kinds of fun 
background things that I do for when I'm serving clients or when I'm trying to be memorable so that so that you will not confuse me with just some other realtor. Did that answer your question? Yeah, okay, so you were a quirky kid. And now tell me your path. I know you 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 said you you grew up near Pittsburgh and then you, when you graduated high school, your parents moved to to Delaware. Delaware. But what got you on your path? Now, did you go to high school? I mean, did you go to college? Or I know you were you joined the service. Tell me about that. I want to know the real Will Weber. I will do the best I can. You can interrupt at any point if you have a specific question. But my parents moved to Delaware the same week I graduated from high school. I didn't have any cool jobs or college deferments. And this was a while ago. I'm way older than I look or act. Um, and there was still a draft. I was number 43 in the draft. So I had no friends in Delaware, and I knew for the next three years I was going to be following orders, not giving them. So I hitchhiked from Delaware to California and back. I left in July. I came back in August. I enlisted in September. I was in the Army a little more than three years to include 11 months of Vietnam service. I get to be the youngest one of these you may ever meet because I didn't know anybody younger than I was when I was there. Um, got out of the army, again, oldest of six kids, both parents unemployed, worked, didn't like blue collar. I thought I deserved different or better. I was a 28 year old freshman at the University of Delaware. Um, started with a chemical engineer degree, finished with a BSBA in business and finance, totally independent of my parents and it's a fun story about how I got to be a realtor, but you asked for the range from here to here. You want to know more? Just ask. I will, but I, we want to get to the realtor, but it's funny because you said a 28-year-old student. And when I was in college, we always called you guys the uh, the curve breaker because when we were out partying, you guys were really serious about school. And you would always – I remember I had people in my classes who were older, and they always got a great grade. And we're like, damn it. We can't get the curve. We got to get the curve. But so so what, what made you dis decide – to really go to college? I mean, just the, because of the hate of the blue collar or just you wanted to expand your horizons? We're going to back up. I've never been called a serious student. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a reason for that. Now, I was a 28-year-old freshman that made me older than some of my teachers, but I didn't look it. And no one thought I was 19, but nobody thought I was over 20 or 21 because I carry my age well and so um i had three part-time jobs which is why i didn't have great grades because i worked so that i could eat and that seemed like a priority at the time so older than some of my teachers completely unavailable could not be intimidated by my teachers or by anything because because and um just working and paying my bills and getting it done. I had to get a degree. I Before I was in college, I was a lab tech in a solar energy plant. And basically it was very nice blue collar, but I wasn't allowed to sign the drawings that I made. I wasn't allowed to do any of the planning, even though I was kind of inventing the process for some of the parts of the solar energy plant where I worked. But that goes back to 1975, 76. So that's a long time ago. So yes, before that's before my producer Joe was even born. Geez. Anyway, uh, so 
when do you decide to get into real estate? Was it something you set and went, man, I want to help people out? Or what got you into it? When, what was there a defining moment that got Will Weber to be, you know, the, the king of Delaware Realtors? I hope you're not going to lose any respect for me. The whole truth is, way back when, used to be able to smoke in the bars and the lights would come up a little bit at last call and it's quarter till two in the morning and I'm with an old friend named Lisa with really big freckles and strawberry blonde hair and blue eyes. And she looked over to me and last call and said, what are you doing tomorrow morning at eight in the morning? And I wasn't sure if that was a pickup line or not. So I said, <laughs> what do you mean? And she said, pick me up at eight. We're going to the real estate course. And we rode to the real estate course. We signed up. We wrote a check. We sat in for a few classes. And I didn't mean to. I really didn't. But I became a realtor. And it turned out to be kind of fun because when you're working in a position like that, you're allowed to make more money than your manager. Your manager doesn't tell you how much money you're allowed to make. If you can create the business, you're allowed to harvest the business that you create. And that's how that went. So how do you start building your business? Because you're a great networker, but at that point of your career, were you already a natural networker? Or I mean, how did you start this to build this business because you you basically did it on a it sounds like a fluke you were having a few you know old fashions and you said ah oh, why not I'm not gonna wake up hungover I'll just go over and find out about real estate and so then you get the you get the license so where do you start how do you sit there and start building a business because it's not like now where you can go hey internet internet it's like signs on yards all that stuff how do you start to build the Will Weber Empire? Well. It starts with a few things that kind of all come together, coalesce, that's a word, right? Um, integrity counts, being memorable counts, being fearless about how to talk to people counts. And so if you can harvest those things, um, there's probably a couple more attributes, but really think about it. If you meet a realtor, you go to, they used to advertise in the newspaper, um, or you knock on doors. Here's another example. You know, I, I effectively, I knock on doors, but I start with a drone shot. If I take a picture of a neighborhood or a house and I want to meet the sellers because I have a buyer, my job is to introduce the buyer and the seller. And so to me, getting found, getting enthusiastic, knowing what you're doing, having integrity, those are the ingredients that work. Um, you know, that plus a credit card and you can be a realtor. But back then, was, was there a networking scene? I mean, what was it like? Because networking's evolved, but like when you're new, you're in Delaware and you don't, it's not like you have people that you knew growing up with. No. Where do you start networking? I mean, you're, you're a new realtor and there's not like now there's thousands of them. There was probably wasn't as many back then, but where do you start networking? I mean, at that point of your life, you know, are you, is there 
Chamber of Commerce is. I mean, where are you going in that point when you are little well, little Will Weber, the realtor, not big Will, you know, you're a little, you're a new guy, you're a new guy on the block. You're like a new kid on the block. Where do you start networking? Who do I know? Who can I talk to? Um, I've lived a mile to Main Street in Newark at the university. So I know neighbors and I knew teachers. And actually my teachers knew I wasn't 18 or 19 years old. So I was able to bridge a gap. I wasn't just a brand new graduated student. I'm a grown up. Um, there are chambers of commerce. There were networking things, um, not on the scale that they are now. Steve runs a great networking group and I'm proud to be part of it. Um, and look where it gets both of us. The networking was different. There was a newspaper. There wasn't an internet. Um, I was the first person I knew that had a real estate website in 1998. <laughs> um, it's about who you know. It's about getting found. And so I did. I walked down a neighborhood where I wanted to be famous. I have a camera, but it's not in reach right now, but we'll pretend my phone is a camera. I took a picture of each house in that neighborhood and I created a template and I you know, developed the film and stuck it to a piece of paper and licked a bunch of stamps and sent mail to the neighborhood. Nobody throws a, away a picture of their own house. They keep the picture. Okay, I put my address label on the back of the picture. They could throw away, they could throw away the note that I wrote, but they still had my contact information on that picture. And they would call and I would sell their old house and I would find a new house for them. And we had a multi-list system with printed publications that came out every two weeks because there was no Zillow, there was no realtor.com. Um, and so that's why the enthusiasm that I mentioned before is real important. You can't do this part-time and you're talking about a bunch of money. So you have to have the integrity that inspires confidence from often total strangers. And so if you can turn spectators into settlements, you can be a realtor. Now, do you remember, do you remember your first house you sold? Absolutely. Tell I me mean, that story, because I always have that when I talk to musicians, I go, do you remember the first time you heard themselves on the radio? They go, yeah, I was at a cab or I was here. Tell me about the first house you sold, because it was a while ago, but it, it probably made you sit there and go, holy shit, I'm a realtor right now because I sold a house. It Within the first three houses, you know, the, the first one was a little bit of a rocky start, but a really good story that will represent how to be a realtor. It's about location. And I don't mean where's the house. I mean, you position yourself to get found. I was working with a builder at a new home site. I found people who wanted to be buyers. They show up, they buy a plan and a property and a house to be built from a builder. They have a house to sell. I can help them do that too. So by having integrity and enthusiasm and working for the builder, I earned the builder's loyalty and I tripped over some people who were buyers, but those buyers became sellers. And so 
um, there's momentum, it cascades. And by maintaining momentum, with a little luck, you can pay your bills. Did that, did that answer the question? No, I want to know the first house you ever sold. Uh, 20 Craig Street, Bear, Delaware, 19701. Right. I've done about a thousand houses between then and now, but there, now you know. <laughs> now, now, as a realtor, what is it like for you when the when the interest rates go up? Like, you know, I was I was on the West Coast, but the interest rates go up in New Jersey and Delaware, and then there's collapses and all that. How do you ride that as a wielder? Do you ever get frustrated? Like, man, this all of a sudden this all this is gonna fall apart. I mean, when there's these, you know, the foreclosures, how does a realtor look at that? And are you pissed at the people who gave these deals to people who basically overqualified them? Because you're a professional, you've been doing this for a while, you're not full of shit. How does that make you feel? Interest rates are out of everybody's control. That's like saying there's one only one cause for inflation. There isn't. So interest rates are just part of the package. You use the P word. So what does piss me off? People that do my job halfway. They make us all look bad. Whenever there's a transaction, there's a buyer and a seller, there's a buyer's agent, there's a seller's agent. If the agent drops the ball on either side of this, the other agent has to pick up the slack or nobody gets paid, nobody moves. So that's what pisses me off. Um, interest rates happen, okay? And interest rates are high today compared to two years ago or three years ago, but interest rates today are low. The first house I sold in 1988, the interest rate was 11.5%. And they were happy to have 11.5%. So the difference really is what can you afford? And buyers are a little frustrated. And as a realtor, you interact with the buyers. So sometimes they shoot the messenger. That is, somehow it's my fault if interest rates go up or down. But the shortage of inventory is really everybody's enemy now. Buyers don't have a whole lot to choose from. Sellers can get greedy, but that same seller who's gonna sell their house for a lot of money has to pay a lot of money for the next house they buy. And interest rates are temporary. So there's lenders that say this, I don't talk like this because you know I'm respectable, but the lesson about interest rates for houses you find a house that you like you marry the house you get an interest rate that's temporary you're only sleeping with the interest rate and when interest rates come down then you refinance and you still have the house that you love did that make sense yeah now you talk about other realtors and we you know i know you like to network with realtors how important is it for you to network with other realtors is that something that you enjoy and also and a second part of that question, because I know Will loves when I answer, ask him three-way question, three-part uh, questions. A second part is, do you mentor other realtors? So the first is, is it important to network with realtors? And then do you mentor realtors? It's a two-parter, Will. I got it. No, no, I can handle it. And it's kind of a three-part. <laughs> um, oh, I selectively hang out with realtors when I was brand new and we would have a sales meeting every Tuesday morning at you know nine o'clock and at 9.30, nobody showed up yet except me. Um, 
And I told my manager, I don't care about a sales meeting. I want to know when it's over because that's when my day starts. Until your meeting is over, I'm in a room full of people who can't afford to buy what I'm selling. And so suddenly all sales meetings were on time from that point on. But I will network with other agents because if I have a unique property and I know there's an agent who specializes in a certain zip code or raw land or um, homes that are available to be flipped, I'll approach that agent and say, hey, look what I have. Do you have a buyer? Um, and the other question was, do I mentor? I used to actually actively mentor realtors and I really want them to get better at what they do so that we all look better, but I can't justify teaching somebody to compete with me. That feels a little stupid. And if I teach a realtor and he's in a class with me for two hours, it's like watching a Bruce Lee movie. Does that make you a real good fighter? The answer is no. So you can have all of the lines and even some of the confidence, but you're nobody until you have some of the history. So I want to talk more about networking because you're, you're a great networker. You're, you're everywhere. You know, you go to a lot of events. What do you like or love about networking? What, what, why do you love doing it? Um, okay. So I've mentioned before, I have a number of voices in my head that gives them all a chance to talk and they all feel important. That's good. Um, and everybody needs a realtor because these are the days when you think you can do it yourself by going to the internet or, you know, studying a real estate, you know, publication. And the answer is you need one now more than ever, but in particular, and this harks back to your question about me being precocious or innovative. I'm a realtor in Delaware. I've consulted in about 20 states, but I network in New Jersey and Pennsylvania where your real estate taxes are higher than mine. So I sell something that no one else in that room sells. And even if they aren't an ultimate buyer, they know somebody who wants to save money on taxes. Um, Here's an example. Am I allowed to do the example I usually use, Steve? You can do anything you want, Will. I live here. I live in four bedrooms with a finished basement, a mile to Main Street at the University of Delaware, and my taxes are $2,800 a year. So when I'm talking to re realtors up there, they're happy to meet me because if one of their New Jersey owners or a Pennsylvania owner is selling, where does that agent send that buyer? And they can send that buyer to me because we have a system of paying realtors referrals. If you're going to hand me a warm lead or conversely, when I know somebody who's moving to your area as a realtor, I'll send them to you. And we already have a, an established expectation for a splitting a commission and so i get to talk to people that it didn't occur to them that they could move to delaware and save money or agents that have people that are moving to delaware and they don't have anyone to send them to so 
that's why I try to be everywhere without without looking spread too thin. What do you not like about networking? Because it's not all beds and roses. I always talk about this. You know, you meet some people who are full of it. You meet some wonderful people. You know, I met wonderful people, but you meet some people you go, uh, I mean, I mean, they walk in the room and you go, uh, what, what do you, what do you, uh, what, what do you not like about, because you're a positive guy and uh, I can't see you like walking off and going, oh, you know, like, like the old get off my lawn, dude. But what, what, uh, what do you not like about networking? There are people that you learn to not like. There are situations which you wish you could avoid. Um, the whole truth is just like anything. You need the bad ones out there so the rest of us look good. You hope the bad ones eventually go back to, you know, would you like to supersize that for 39 cents or whatever their other job was? Um, but everybody's got to work somewhere. So you just kind of grin and do a good job and make them look bad by doing a good job and then earning the business and maybe they will go back. Now, your social media, LinkedIn, you've, it's really, you've upped the grade. You went and hired someone. Um, what made you decide to hire someone? Was it because you wanted to make a difference? Because your your slides, whatever, they, they come up on LinkedIn, they all look good. But was it a certain point where you said, I got to keep up with the Joneses because everyone's doing something? Mean, what made you take that next step? Because your social media does look good. You're not making like, if I make a meme, I have like a little meme maker on my phone, I look like crap. But what 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 made you decide to do that? And how do you find a person that will work with you because it's representing you? Wow. Remember when Steve said he likes to ask multi-part questions and I, I really try to focus on what's going on with it. Um, to me, social media is a little bit of a mystery only because I'm so busy being a realtor. If you're a good realtor, can you also be your own photographer and a drone pilot and a semi-stager and all of the networking that I do? So I had to find somebody who was good at the social media stuff. And that would include Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and I'm not from that generation where it is second nature to me. It is not. So I interviewed people who I believe do a good job. I started with somebody whose job is to have social network and then teach how to social network. And she introduced me to um, the people that I use now because you know, 20 years ago, this wasn't a job. This was in, invisible, but you know, how to, how to get good at social media as opposed to doing it badly. So I interviewed some people, the pictures that you see on my feed or anywhere are pictures that I've taken parts of my history or a little bit of my sense of humor showing through. And I just send them pictures and they make me look good. If I give them a little background or here's where I was and here's what we were all doing. Um, so that, so that they know what they're working with. I, as an example, am on the board of directors at the Newark Historic Society. That is our Christmas party, because why would I miss a chance to, you know, promote what we do? Um, in particular, from Steve's group, we made friends on Zoom, and at last we were allowed to go out and play, 
And these are friends from Steve's group, including one of them's a realtor. You know, I was going to recruit her. She, um, she knows where to send business when she needs to refer anyone to Delaware. And you saw this before, but I'm told my sense of humor is, what's a nice word for scary? Um, I don't know. What's a nice word? I don't but, know, but all those houses go for a million in L.A. Uh, you know, if these houses could talk, they would have great stories and you could interview them, Steve. Now, are they are they did you find them? Are they real houses or did you find them like in stock footage? This one I drove past. <laughs> I used to drive past this one on my way to visit my girlfriend because she lives in the middle of nowhere. Um, and that was a long time ago. And I, we're talking about her. We should probably introduce her. There you go. Will's girlfriend. Um, it, yeah, it, we're, again, history. My favorite thing about this picture, though, is you see her green eyes. You should see her daughter's green eyes. Oh, that's, yeah. So there's an example of a quirky sense of humor, okay? This was my homage to Groundhog's Day, because... Why would I not have something special to say on Groundhog's Day? Um, you know, it's it's just it's how my brain works. It's it it serves me to be out of the box or just doing something not entirely mainstream, and maybe that's why Steve enjoys me. Now, give me give me a you've had over a thousand transactions, which is a ton. Give me a a real horror story of when you were of dealing with someone and trying to sell a house. Cause I know every, like every comic has a story of a crap gig. Like I was in West Virginia and these drunk, I was the only person on the show. And there's all these drunk military guys. It was like quarter pitcher night. And I, I got like five minutes into my set and they're all just screaming at me. Like, so you have these performers have these stories. Give me a hellacious Will Weber selling a house story. I suddenly have way too much to talk about, but I do own the domain name for the book that I'm writing. The do name, domain name from 15 years ago is because a client asked me this. She said, why did the nice ones cost more? So <laughs> thank you for being amused. Um, and because there are so many that are hellacious and my hair used to be black, it's all white now. I, I'm. I'm this old, I have hair, I'm good. Um, the first house that I sold, I had a friendship with that agent because he was my first and he had the buyer, I had the seller. The people that were, oh, I'm wishing I didn't give the address before. Um, the people who bought the house were a little bit horrified because the people who sold the house took the shed. Can you take a shed? It wasn't specifically named as an inclusion in the contract that was 30 years ago. Um, and they took the shed. So the people who bought the house didn't have a place to put a snow shovel or a lawnmower or store anything. And, um, you know, that was, that's, that's comical. You asked for hellacious. I'm, I'm in the middle of a battle with a client who owes me $21,000 because he thinks it's okay to not tell the truth to his realtor. 
um, last year I had the chance to sue a builder who told me to sell a house. I brought him a contract. He signed it. The buyer signed it. We were ready to go. Then he disclosed some things that made the house unsellable, certainly unacceptable to my client. Um, she got her money back, but he owed me a commission because my listing agreement says you owe me a commission when I bring you a buyer that's acceptable to you. It was acceptable because um, he signed the agreement and that was that was about $12,000. So I, I don't want to talk about confrontational, but not everything goes as planned. So I guess you were asking for horrific and hellacious Um did those meet your expectations? Yeah, yeah. I just always wonder. There's got to be like, you know, always deal with idiots. Now, I got to ask you, I was watching a thing on the news, and you're someone, when, the, when everyone was going crazy, when everyone was just buying, and you're going way above the price. And that was a little while ago, you know, and for realtors, is great. As, why were some realtors, and I saw a story on this, not telling people, like, they didn't tell them to get a building inspection, which I saw some poor lady, her house, she didn't, she passed up on the building inspection because she wanted it. And now it's like falling apart. Like, why would a realtor not do that? Because you, you work on referrals and, you know, you want your client to be happy because if your client's happy with you, they're going to tell someone. But if you tell a client, hey, don't, hey you don't need a, a building inspection and then the house falls apart. I mean, why were people doing that, Will? I'm going to back up about half a question so that you are aware, the audience is aware. When things were going nuts, when people were overpaying for houses, the only people that were happy were the agents with the sign in the ground. Because the agent who was working with the buyer might bring 10 offers for one house that's for sale. That seller can sell that house one time. So to sell that house one time, that seller is looking for the best, most favorable terms to that seller. Now you have 10 buyers who all want the same house. If you're trying to please the seller, you don't want to make the place unattractive or cumbersome or expensive for the seller by having inspections, which will find issues that call for the seller to do repairs. So the answer to your question is if you want the house you might have to forego some of the things that would make you a calm buyer um cash is good so a purchase without a loan was good a purchase without inspections was good um overpaying for the house is good as long as you can afford the loan and we used to put language in the escalation clause when we were in competition that if the price goes up and the loan amount goes up this buyer can still afford that loan because if the if everything goes up but that buyer is only approved up to here nobody wins but it opens the door for some very creative concessions i watched people buy a house they owned the house let's pretend they bought the house and settled today but that seller didn't have anywhere to go yet. That seller was having new construction built and they had to wait three months. So we negotiated where the seller would sell, the settlement would happen, 
the new owner owned the house but didn't take possession of it because the previous owner lived in the house for two or three months and instead of paying a mortgage they paid rent to the new owner until their new house was built did that make sense yeah it's crazy it's, it was a crazy market now what is it that you love about your job will what is it i mean hey, when you what i don't say hey, money hey dave Okay. No, but I mean, no, but you, I mean, that's, but that's like, everyone loves money, but what is it? You've been doing this for a long time. You're enthusiastic. You know, a lot of people, if they've been at a job over 15 years, they're like, oh, this sucks. I gotta get out of here. What, um, what is it that you love about being a realtor? There is real satisfaction to serve people who start out as total strangers and to be almost intimately involved in their lives to bring them the home where they look forward to having children or you know making house payments and suddenly you know they, they they're enthusiastic they get new furniture because they have a new place um and as a realtor if you're doing it right your client becomes friends your friends become clients um and there's Again, enthusiasm and trust and expertise. There's a whole bunch of ways to screw it up. I'm sure you can imagine. And to have it done right and then to earn the appreciation. And I take all of this from the minute that the phone rings or the minute that I'm networking with somebody and I meet somebody that I know is going to be a client. It goes all the way through to the housewarming present that I give. Steve, can I go there? Yeah, because you gave me one, and uh, I, it's hanging in our kitchen now. In the last however many transactions, I've given away more than 400 fire extinguishers. Um, I have five friends whose houses would have burned if I hadn't given them one of these. <laughs> in the back of my car... I have fire extinguishers wrapped in a wine bag. I bring the wine bag to settlement and people are looking at me funny like they left their drinking glasses in the car. And I'm looking at them funny because who carries drinking glasses in the car? But anyway, to give away a fire extinguisher and then give them important information about what to do with it makes me memorable. Um, I have a cordless drill in my car. I have a drywall screw. There's a hanger that comes with the fire extinguisher. I take the fire extinguisher into the house. I drywall screw the fire extinguisher holder into the pantry wall because the wrong place to put it is above the stove where everybody wants to put it. But your stove is the first place to burn. Don't put it there. And a fire extinguisher has a 15, 20 year shelf life. So there I am not necessarily stalking them, but in their pantry, every time they open the door, they know that I care about their success and health. And that's why I've picked this as my housewarming present for, you know, turning spectators into settlements. Now I have the one you gave us, it's in the kitchen, it's near the kitchen window uh, on the side. And we have the, uh, we have those recycling things we got for one of our bridal shower things. We have all these appliances we don't use, but now what is the etiquette? Cause it's up. Do I, can I take your 
hard off because I know you, or do I have, every time I put a beer bottle in the recycling bin, I see Will Weber judging me. So what do I do? Can I take can I take the card off or should I keep it on? I'll do whatever you say. What do you want me to do? It, and don't be don't be easy. staring at my wife. <laughs> I'm judging you favorably because you're recycling. I'm judging you favorably because you have nice things to say about me. Now, if you take the card down, I I might or might not find out. But okay, <laughs> but there's my answer. All right. So, uh, one final question: how How much longer are you going to be a realtor? Are you some? I mean, because it's like it's you can do it forever, and you seem to really enjoy it. And I think if you retired, you you probably miss it. But how long do you how long do you think you will keep being a realtor? Ah, I see me doing this for a while, years, because, because I used to have a much better plan about what my retirement was going to look like. Um, and I'm degenerous with people and I'm going after somebody that owes me $21,000. So I get to keep doing this, you know, cause I've gotten kind of used to things like shelter and periodic meals. But um, but the good news is I'm going to be out there serving clients and making them happy that they know me for a long time. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Any uh, any closing comments from you? Any wisdom you can incite with us? Give us us, us non-realtors. There's any wisdom you can give us. Give us some Will Weber wisdom. Some www Will Weber wisdom. That's a good website. www.willweberwisdom. We're going to get you that website. Get that domain. Get that domain. When you get off, get that domain. Any closing thoughts? Any 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 wisdom you can give us? Well, in a negotiation, if you're still having a conversation, there's still room to negotiate. If you're a buyer, think like a seller. And I know that looks like just good for real estate, but the truth is, it works in, you know, you're buying a car, you're negotiating whatever you're negotiating. See that other person's point of view. And I'm going to quote my friend, Steve Cooper, don't be an ass. Because if you're a jerk about it, you don't deserve the success that you might or might not get. You earn it by understanding and being a grown up and knowing how to compromise as necessary. All right. Now, how can There's people get in touch with you? I'll think about it after we after we're done. <laughs> how can people get in touch with you? The website. How how can people tell people how they can get in touch with you? Will this is way too easy. This is my phone number. If you Google my phone number, I own the first three pages of Google. And if you Google, let's see. There's my website, willweberhomes.com. Um. And I answer my phone every time it rings. I was filling out one of the Chamber of Commerce membership things and my contact information. And it asked for my hours. I've had appointments at six in the morning with people who needed to have appointments at six in the morning. I've sold Harris's every day of the year, including Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, 4th of July. Call me. That's how to reach me. So people call Will Weber, and if you're just listening to this in the audio, it's 302-354-0600. That's call Will Weber, 302-354-0600. People, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my producer, Joe Ganjemi, who kicks ass every day. If you need a podcast, you got to come down to Sweet Recording. That's S-U-I-T-E, recording.com. He'll take care of you. If you need a studio built, he'll take care of you. 
go to my go listen to past episodes at the cooptank.podbean.com or on Spotify, Amazon Music, or iHeartRadio. If you need a speaker, I have my speaking show. It's half corporate comedy, half keynote speaker. It's Don't Be a Jerk, the comedy of networking. Also, if you want to do some great social media interviews, we can come down to Sweet Recording. Contact me at thecooptank at yahoo.com or Joe Gangemi at hello at sweetrecording.com, and we'll hook you up. So I want to thank you for listening, and you guys all have a great day.